out of Oklahoma City. You're listening to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where movies are more than just 90 minutes in a bucket of popcorn. The Good Trash Genre Cast is a member of the Good Trash Media family. For more information, go to goodtrashmedia.com. They're talking about you, boy, but you're still the Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where a bunch of people gather around a table and we discuss the films you'll never discuss in a film studies course, and we're going to apply film studies analysis to them anyway. This week's film is a continuation of the great story of one Peter Pan, and we see the adventures of his <laughs> Lost Boys. It is The Lost Boys, and we know. That's a valid reading, honestly. I thought about going it's that there. route before getting mine <laughs> you'll never grow old michael I mean, yeah, yeah it's, it's toy there so rare yeah, so there the connection yeah it, it's uh what we might call on the nose and so we're going to talk about this film and we're very excited to do that but before we get any further we must identify the disembodied voices speaking to you all through your generic mp3 playing devices uh to my right sir who are you hi my name's caleb masters and uh, tell me alex how can a billion chinese people be wrong no idea. They, I don't think they can be. Thank you very much. Ma'am, in the corner, who are you? My name is Alexandra Bohannon, and you're a creature of the night, Dalton, just like out of a comic book. You're a vampire. My own brother, a goddamn shit-sucking vampire. You wait until mom finds out, buddy. I tell you what, Haim makes that look a lot easier than it is. That's a hard line. It is a hard yeah. line. That is a tongue-twisting line. Goddamn shit Sucking vampire. Pain may or may not be confused as to what vampires drink as well. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Um, all right, sir, in the corner, who are you? My name is Dalton Stewart, and Dustin, you know, the one thing I can never stomach about living in Oklahoma City, all the damn vampires. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. My name is Dustin Sells, and this podcast is an example of Death by Stereo, and we are very glad to be here with you all talking Lost Boys. Um, it's, it's a, you know, Joel Schumacher, it's, it's, you know, it's... That's okay. It's okay. We're gonna have pinnacle gonna, of eighties cinema. I, I don't. I don't really want to. I. I don't want to pick on Joel Schumacher, guys. Like I really don't. I actually want to be on his team. Okay. Well, um, try to do that. Let's go. Well, I'm going to warn you though, right now, dear listener, this is not a review show. It's an analysis show, and that means we are going to spoil and uh, give spoilerific spoileriges throughout our show. But we're going to give a moratorium to that in the first section, in which we have a synopsis from the voice of the cinema, our quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. Once we get into game time and also into our analysis, spoilers are <laughs> are coming your way. So you, my friends, have been warned. So without any further ado. Mr. Arthur Gordon, voice of the cinema, let's hear that synopsis. After moving to a new town, two brothers discover that the area is a haven for vampires. All right. All right. Yep. <laughs> Fair enough, I suppose. I, I, would, I would just want to submit this. Um, if you're in a horror movie, don't move. Never, ever move it's always worse where you're going um but that is about all the advice i could give uh regarding that let's go ahead and hear those quick thumbs up thumbs down reviews as to our opinion of the lost boys i go to you first mr dalton stewart what do you have to say it's a perfectly fine film uh it is 80s tastic uh i mean this film has a sequence in which a buff shirtless oiled man with a ponytail plays a saxophone (laughs) at a beach party that was the greatest that's a, thing. That's a thing that happens in this movie. With pelvic thrusting it, it, towards oh, his mic stand. It set, the, it set it. the tone just right. 
it's it, it is a fabulously silly movie. Um, the Quarries are having a good time. Um, you know, considering that they always get lumped together, Haim and Feldman really weren't in that many films together. Um, they had pretty extensive filmographies separate from each other, which I think it's funny that they always get lumped together, probably because they hung out a lot in real life. Uh, Jason Patrick uh, is brooding uh, his his heart out, and he does a fine job. <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland uh, is a perfect vampire because he was 19 when they made this and, like, puts across an air of being, like, in his late 30s. Wait, he was 19? He was 19 years old when they made this. this he looks like a... Guys, when I, look, when I was 19, I did not look like Kiefer Sutherland. I, I look like a child. I still look like I'm about 14 years old, so, yeah. yeah. Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland's so fucking good in this movie. Um, he's having a great time. Um, and, you know, that's and that's it. Uh, Grandpa's fun. Mom, mom's mom is fun in a couple of scenes that she gets uh precious few that they are uh star has nothing to do um i forgot that the kid existed until he was under the bed uh yeah there's a lot of characters and and subplots that just kind of get dropped but uh it's fun uh there's some really fun vampire stuff in it uh there's some really dumb stuff in it too uh it is 80s-tastic and not in a fun way sometimes. Sometimes it's 80s-tastic in a way that's uh, really obnoxious and stupid. Uh, it's not 80s-tastic like something like Roadhouse or Point Break is. Point Break's 90. We're splitting hairs. Uh, yeah, it, it shows its age in, in bad ways. Arthur and I were talking about this, and he, he it, it's funny that uh, uh, Corey Haim is so bummed out about not getting to watch... Um, <clears throat> Oh, uh, MTV, because it definitely has a very much an MTV, like late 80, mid to late 80s music video vibe, uh, especially the pan, uh, the, the swooping panning shots when the vampires are flying. Uh, but the final showdown's really fucking cool. Uh, there's some really fun set design in the vampire lair. But overall, it's a fairly disposable film, I gotta say. I mean, I like things about it, but uh, I'm, I'm glad I got to rewatch it. I haven't seen this movie since I was like 10 years old, probably. So uh, it was fun to revisit. Uh, but yeah, it's it's not great. Excellent. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart and Ms. Alexander Bohannon. What do you have to say in terms of your thumbs up, thumbs down review? This film is pretty, yeah, I'm just going to reiterate what Dalton said a little bit. It's, it's fairly disposable. Um, I found myself being very interested in it for about the first 30 minutes. And then I really just couldn't give a shit after. I, I don't know when the I don't give a shit started happening. It's got a strong opening, though. Yeah, It does. It does. Like, I was pretty hooked. Like, I was compelled. But I think it started about h- halfway through the thing when uh, our lead gets um, made a vampire. And then, like, the cool stuff with the bugs. That was cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's like right after that bridge yeah, scene. Yeah. I just I just really couldn't care after it's, that. It slows down until the, the final it's showdown. Like, it's like they couldn't figure out what else to do with their time. Like, I think they were just waiting until the big finale, but they had to pad it out so significantly. And it's not even like it's a long movie either. It's it like felt, an hour and 40. It super long. It does. Oh, God. Yeah. So I, I wish th- everything was as evenly paced as that first uh, little chunk there. Um, and all the performances are passable. I think Kiefer Suther- Sutherland um, is definitely oh, the so thing good. to write home about in this film. Um if you're a Kiefer Sutherland fan, definitely check this out. And then also um, seeing uh, Edward Herman, who um, playing a young a young guy, because I've only ever seen him in, in uh, Gilmore Girls um, as a grandpa. So seeing him young and kind of hot is kind of uh, weird for me, but cool. Um, so yeah, that was that was fun. Uh, he's he does very well as well. Um, but yeah, the rest of it is just it's fairly disposable, generic eighties cinema. All righty, thank you very much for that, Miss Alexander Bohannon, Mister Caleb Masters. What do you have to say in terms of your brief thumbs up, thumbs down review? 
Well, uh, this is the first time I've proper seen this movie. I recall seeing bits and pieces of this played on TV back when I used to, you know, in middle school, I used to watch all these TV, you know, ed- edited for TV movies. So this was the first time in proper I saw it. And I was kind of excited going. And I was like, you know, I don't, I, I remember things about it that seemed kind of weird. But I, I, I always remember distinctly the bridge scene where they're hanging from the bridge. And I was like, okay, maybe it's cooler than I remember it. So I was really glad to go back in and, and actually get to watch it start to finish, not edited for TV at all. And uh, I can't say I was blown away. Uh, the tone for this movie is all over the place. I, at, at times, it seems like it, it actually is trying really hard to be a brooding horror movie, uh, trying to be melodramatic. And then, like, in the very next scene, it feels like a B-movie. And then it feels like it's trying to be the Goonies. There's not a hint of consistency in this film whatsoever. That said, I had a lot of fun. I couldn't help but crack a smile at uh, Jack Bauer Begins or Kiefer Sutherland. I, as a big 24 fan when I was younger, I, you know, there's something really cool about seeing him, like that actor in his first big role. And I think, I think Kiefer Sutherland's actually pretty good. He's having a good time. Uh, but man, Oh, eighties tastic is the way to, to is the way to put it. The the lovemaking scene, very eighties tastic. Oh. The uh, just the style, the style of like the like the leather clad, almost like fetishist, you know, sexiness. I don't know. All of that was just like, oh my god, this feels like it's so eighties. The fact that the sex scene can be described as a lovemaking scene just really, it, yeah, oh, I hate that word. Yes, lovemaking. Well, I know I don't like it either, but I think so it's gross. I think I think no, it's, it's, a- it's apt for this this com- film. It's completely apt, and I hate it. Now, the last 20 minutes were so much fun, though, so much fun, that I don't regret watching this. I think that had a strong opening, and the ending, I can't, it's strong is probably not the right word, but it was fun. Like, I was like, all right, cool, fun stuff's happening, these effects are fantastic. Uh, confused and inconsistent as this film may be, I think I understand why it resonated with people back then. I don't think it stands up today, and yeah, totally disposable. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters. Uh, in terms of my review, once upon a time, there once were on every corner of every block stores in which one would rent VHS tapes. And um, when um, a young, you know, sapling of a young man um, would uh, go and, you know, we'd do weekend sort of stuff with buddies of mine and we would play around in the woods and, you know, all this sort of stuff and rent a bunch of movies. Lost Boys was in heavy rotation amongst the films selected. Oh, I sure... I yeah. Well, of that course, makes it a was a lot of sense. I mean, who, who in their you know who in their elevens and up wouldn't want to get this movie all the time, right? I mean, it, it is absolutely that. It is of its time, but you have to remember, at its time, it was cool. I mean, that was the thing it, is that we don't have the sort of uh, irony glasses um, at that moment, and so for me, the nostalgia is true, and the nostalgia uh, reigns heavily upon this film. It is a lot of fun. It is something of a mess. It is something of a uh, slow slog of a second act. There is all of that. But um, as my other co-hosts have said, I love Keith, Keith, excuse me, Kiefer Sutherland. I love uh, what's going on uh, with uh, the other performances. The Corys are great. I love, I like the glitter we haven't vampire even, blood. We haven't even talked about the fact that Bill S. Preston is one of the vampires. Bill S. Preston is. Yes, Alex Winter is the van- one of the vampires, one of the first to be slain. The, the first, yeah. He has he gets staked gloriously. It's yes. wonderful. And glitter out of the blood, and that's a lot of fun and uh, something that I enjoy quite thoroughly. And, uh, you know, and, and Jamie Gertz. Jamie Gertz is star, and you may remember uh, her from the film Twister. You know, I gotta let you go. We got cows. Um, that's, that's who we're talking about. That's probably her most memorable oh, line from that film, is it not? Uh, yes, it is 100% her most memorable <laughs> line. 
Uh, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Though, nonetheless, uh, she was smoking hot, though, i got to say, in 87. Yeah, she's very attractive. Yeah, yeah, she's, yeah, there's something going on there. Everyone ten. in this movie is very 80s attractive. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. 10 out of 10. Jason Patrick, smoking oh, hot. Oh, God. Kiefer, Pat- oh. smoking hot. Kiefer. Jason Patrick is Even with fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you see the, the shot when they first get to Grandpa's house where uh, Jason Patrick can't help but starting to curl his weights? Like, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. He, his arms are fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I just want him to hold me with them. But no, I, I'm sorry. I got distracted. He's uh, got like a great like Jerry curl mullet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. a little bit. He's got, got those. Uh, <laughs> he's got those wayfarers. Yeah, man. I mm. even forgive. Or no clubmasters. I, I forgive the mullets. I think the the people are so attractive that they they overcome their mullets. Oh no, no, it's a fact. In this, and movie, I they didn't do. know that mullets could be hot. Yeah, no, they definitely make them work. Yeah, they they no doubt do. And so for Sutherland's mullets, so fierce. And, yeah. and the ladies with the extremely large hair also over the traction overrides the uh, large hair. Absolutely. Lastly, I would say is this: um, there is this great connection to Jim Morrison and the Doors throughout the film we've got the great american poet um portrait of jim morrison yes. uh, there in the lost boys uh cave there in neverland wherever they're hiding and uh people are strange they are and, and then the cover of, uh, of uh, people are strange which is a lot of fun and so it, it connects to certain it, it does this thing in which it seems like it's speaking to and connecting to certain issues although it's it's sort of an empty symbolism i think at the end of the day but nonetheless it makes for a fun and entertaining watch and it's a movie that I still like a lot. I don't say it's good, but I still like it, and I can do both of those things at the same time. Yes, I can. Uh, so there you go, dear listener. Now you know our biases. They are generally con. Our producer uh, Arthur has spent a lot of time shaking his head while you were talking. Yes, quite, quite, quite um, vociferously, and I'm not sure why that was happening. Uh, but that's all right. I still love him um, in spite of himself. Uh, that said, we need to move on because I realize it's time to play the game. Time to play the game. This week's game is our favorite sexy vampires. Uh, That's right. Sexiest vampires in film and television. Brought to you by The Lost Boys. The Lost Boys. God damn, does Kiefer Sutherland pull off that mullet. Accurate statement. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. So let's go ahead and hear those selections. Mr. Caleb Masters, who are your favorite, uh, or rather most sexy, Cinematic vampires and perhaps television. I hadn't thought about TV, man. I mean, Buffy automatically gets a shutout, just by the way. The entire. Yeah, yeah. we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Exactly. I'll I'll, I'll save that one for Dalton. Uh, You will. So, uh, firstly, I've got to go with Blade and his mom. Both. Both of them and the first Blade. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and let that slide. Uh, Wesley Snipes playing a half vampire. Doesn't matter. I listen. listen. That that, that Uh, dude. Yeah, dude, he's so jacked in that movie. Oh, he's so jacked in that movie. Oh, it's ridiculous. And, and that was the first movie I remember watching as a kid because I, I wasn't very overly exposed to tattoos and like a right white. When I saw the tattoos on Wesley Snipes that movie as a kid, I was like, "Oh my god, that's badass!" Yeah, it's it's very nineties badass. Oh yeah, well of course yeah, the nineties. Yeah, as a, I think I watched it for the first time, when I was like ten or eleven. So yes, yeah, so it's the perfect age to watch uh, that movie. And his mom's no shame either. Uh, uh, yeah, no, Santa Latham is oof. gorgeous. Yeah, especially in that movie. Um, so then I have to also move on to Salma Hayek from Dusk Till Dawn. Santanico Pandemonium. Oh, God. Yeah. 
Again, I think I, I watched that movie way too young in age. Cause no, you watched it at the perfect age. Oh my god! Yeah, I yeah, literally. No, I'm, I'm that's, right there that's, with you. you know, you know, Dalton. You, you know, when you have that on your show, you ask people when's that moment that you're like awakened sexually. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's one of mine. Yeah, when when uh, she does her sexy dance. She does her well, sexy dance specifically when Quentin Tarantino drinks a beer drinks, poured down her whiskey. knee. Yeah. Or is it whiskey? Whiskey, a whiskey down, from down her, her foot. From her foot poured from because her knee. Of course, he drinks it off her foot because it's fucking Quentin Tarantino. And of course, he wrote himself to be the character that drinks it off her foot. Yes, naturally, naturally. No, it's, um, it's one of the sexiest things I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, it's life. a moment. It, it is in the music that's playing. Dear God, um, Adam and Eve from Only Lovers Left, 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 oh, Left Alive. Good pick. Both of that them. is a great pick. Both of them. Mm. So that's Tilda Swinton and uh, Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. Both of them extremely attractive. I know Tilda Swinton might be a little older. She still looks she, great. She doesn't matter. She defies all conceptions of gender and age. Yes, she I, is, absolutely. Conceptions. She just defies conceptions in general. No, just conceptions. More, more all conceptions. All of. She's amazing. She's she's freaking amazing. And that movie is great. And lastly, because I know no one else is going to say this as a bit of a fun, fun joke. Count von Count from Sesame Street. Come on, guys. The way he counts. Come on. That's gross. No. Nope. Count. Nope. 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 It's not your turn anymore. That's a nice pick. Ah. 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 Moving on. Ms. Alexander Bohannon, what are your selections? Uh, first of all, I, I've been, <sighs> there are some hot vampires, first of all, there's yes, it's almost too many, uh, to go through, but, um, in the spirit of tackling, uh, you know, both, uh, sexes, genders, etc. Um, I will say that for my two male picks, I'm going to go for, um, so did any of you watch the, the TV show on CBS Moonlight? That's a thing. No, yes. I've never heard okay. Of this. Um, in 2008, there was a TV show. So this is like I think you've told me about this. Before. Yes, it's a vampire mystery show, and then it's really fun. And yeah, he's a vampire. Yeah, cop. and so Alex Laughlin and Jason Doring both play vampires, and Jason Doring, um, he's uh, Logan Eccles and Veronica Mars, and both of them are really hot, and uh, it's really nice to see uh, see that. And then of course we've got uh, Monica Bellucci in Dracula's Bride. <sighs> Yeah, I got a mm-hmm. picture right here. Yeah, no, Monica Bellucci is holy moly, so gorgeous. Yeah, she was going to come up on my list. So. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's unfair that humans can look that that good. Um, that's, that's good casting, Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, I you know give give him props for that. And then finally, even though it's not so, and in the spirit of equal uh, of just general shout outs i'd say that it's not true vampirism but i feel like uh megan fox from jennifer's body i yeah. think she looks really good in that movie close enough yeah it's yeah, good enough this vampire close enough yeah fair enough thank you very much for that miss alexander bohan and mr dalton stewart what are your selections well alex uh, already gave a little love to uh francis ford coppola's bram stoker's dracula but i want to give a shout out to the man the myth the legend gary goddamn oldman as uh count vlad the impaler God, he's so good in that movie. Mm-hmm. He's, he's my runner-up. His beautiful yeah, his man. fucking top hat and his blue sunglasses. Mm. Yeah, get it, Oldman. Get it. Uh, oh, he does. Uh, he does. He does indeed. Um, Caleb uh, took my Santanico Pandemonium pick. A good call on that, Caleb. Yes, I also had uh, very much an awakening the first time I watched that movie. Uh, last but not least, as uh, Caleb mentioned, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is going to come up. This one's a twofer. It is Drusilla and Spike, uh, the gruesome twosome that they are. Um, James Marsters is got the best chick. Hmm? 
James Marsters has got the best cheekbones uh, in the world. Fact. Uh, playing uh, Billy Idol the vampire. Uh, he's so he's so, so true. He's having such a blast in every single scene he is in on that show, and that's no small feat considering he's in like a hundred episodes of it. Um, that's probably stretched. It's only like a hundred twenty-two episode series, but he's he's in the good portion of the back half, and every single time he's on screen, he's completely captivating. Uh, and Drusilla, uh, though not showing up quite as often as Spike, is no slouch herself. Uh, Juliet Landau, I believe, is the actress's name, and she's she's so much fun playing this weird. Uh, psychic terror doll brought to life. She's terrifying uh, and in the sexiest way possible. Uh, so I love them both. Uh, James Marsters uh, as Spike uh, introduced me to a whole type of fashion I wasn't aware of when I started watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So thank you for that. Uh, you've ruined me, uh, Buffy. You, you've ruined so many things about my personality. Thanks, Joss Whedon. Fair enough. All right. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. I am going to have some selections as well. Um, I the, I have to like begin with the caveat. I don't like the super sexy vampire in general. Vampires are supposed to be, again, scary yeah, great the great white, white sharks. sharks. Yeah. And uh, so there is a weird thing in which I, I prefer Max Shrek over Bella Lugosi. I, did, I, had, to, I had to fight. I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, I think characters like... Uh, Marsters uh, and Landau and, and Buffy, they capture that uh, that scary, sexy thing, mm-hmm. which I think if a vampire is going to be sexy, it's got to be in a way that's a little terrifying. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Much I like Kiefer Sutherland. Right, which is absolutely true. But there, there are definitely um, great plenitudes of sexiness within uh, the vampire genre. Um, so I'll begin with a, uh, a pick I think that people uh, would not have uh, anticipated. I'm going to say Christopher Lee's Count Dracula well, in the original pick. Hammer series. That's a good pick. Uh, he's a handsome man, he's very athletic, and he's very just physical. And I really, really imposing. like imposing. Yeah, and he's, he's probably my favorite Dracula. And so, uh, and then there is a, a sexiness, but it is a scary, scary sort of dead-eyed sexiness. Also, Alina Lowenson in the uh, film Nausea. Um, she is um, Dracula's daughter. It turns out. And uh, she is great and absolutely just gorgeous in every way. Um, Gerard Butler playing um, Vlad the Impaler Dracula in the Dracula <laughs> uh, 2000 film. I've seen that movie. I was just oh, watching God. 30 Rock and Liz Lemon is, uh, cuts to her crying on her couch because she's uh, doing uh, hormone uh, treatments because she's trying to have a baby. And she's crying watching P.S. I Love You. And she goes, it's just so sad. No one should have to be married to Gerard Butler. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Uh, and lastly, from the series, the two sequels, uh, Dracula 2 and Dracula 3, The Ascension, uh, Dracula, or The Legacy, Ascension, then Legacy, I don't care. It doesn't matter. That's not important. They're not that great. But um, there is a uh, vampire-fighting priest who then becomes a vampire named Jason Scott Lee. And, and I'm just, just telling you right now, Jason Scott Lee, priest collar, leather jacket, and a vampire. Jason Scott Lee is fucking hot. Dude, yeah. he is so good. What was he in? Um, oh, God. Um wasn't he in one of those really bad Jungle Book uh, he was in retreads? Book. Yeah. yeah. He's, oh man, I love Jason Scott. Yeah, Lee. he's a pretty man. Uh, so those are my selections. Dear listener, we'd love to hear yours. We'll give you an opportunity to find out where you can do that via social media later on in the show, but we're not going to do that right now because it's time to get down to business. <laughs> That's right, dear listener, and that business in question is analysis. I am so stoked to hear what my co-hosts have brought to the table today. I go to you first, Miss Alexander Bohannon. What analysis have you got? 
Um, I think that the main threads of analysis will be covered by my other co-hosts around the table. So what I have to say to you today is rather brief. Uh, I feel like this film does a really interesting thing with the character of our single mother, Lucy, of our two uh, sons, because she's a divorcee. She's uh, having to move in with her father. She's destitute. She has nothing. And uh, she does her kids across this, uh, you know, cross state trek um to seek a new better life in california not unlike the grapes of wrath except you know it's not oklahoma to california but i do find it interesting that um what we have at the end um because spoiler alert max is a vampire if you couldn't uh, guess that from being in having to be invited into the house um i was like oh well we all saw that coming um but whenever we get to the end and max is inviting her you know to be a part of his family basically to step in as her surrogate husband not necessarily a surrogate in the type of uh, truly vampiric way um, and I mean it has a double meaning there but but one thing that's really interesting is that not only do we get this kind of we ex- we have been culturally conditioned that um, women in um, women in society need to take on uh, a husband in order to be kind of validated especially if they have this woman or women in particular have uh, children already. How can you have um, a proper family structure? Think of the family. Uh, many people um, maybe of a conservative nature will, will uh, cry out. But one thing that is interesting is that instead of her becoming a part of the surrogate family and taking on Max as her partner, um, you know, not by her own will, despite um, enjoying his presence while dating him, he gets defeated. He, he's not, um, you know, going to be the father of her children. She is not going to be his, um, you know, Countess Dracula, if you will. And that's one of the most interesting things that I feel this movie says is that um, it's it's slightly patriarchy crushing, despite it having other issues that can be equally problematic. But I, I found that particular piece really inspiring. And I whenever I saw a single mother coming into this film, I was going to be like, oh boy, this is going to be interesting on how they portray her perhaps as weak or maybe disrespected, blah, blah, blah. Um, But I feel like she uh, was portrayed with a very even hand. And I think her defeating um, this potential mate situation at the end kind of puts a, puts a cap on the issue that no women don't need husbands in order to raise um, perfectly fine and adequate children. Thank you very much for that, Miss Alexander Bohannon. Mr. Caleb Masters, what analysis do you bring? Yeah, I, I think uh, the family, the theme of family that Alex is touching on is, is on point. And I'm going to elaborate now. I'm going to talk about a different type of family uh, and how I feel like this film. You said hollow analysis, and while I, 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 don't, I don't feel like it, there's, a, there's a, a hollow reading of this film, I, I, was something that w- was really, at least to me, a, a real pretty straightforward connection is the, the, the commentary and parallels uh, on uh, gang violence, particularly in the 1980s, uh, which when the film was in production, this was a huge thing. Uh, youths going and joining gangs um, because of broken, uh, the breakdown. Right. And it was, it was huge the pop culture family. at the time, The, the crack wars were in full swing. Oh, uh, for sure. And making white people just absolutely terrified for no particular reason. So the Lost Boys, I think, paints uh, a picture about the influence and the rise of the gang violence. So you see this with Michael, Sam, and their mother, Lucy, as they are moving to a new town uh, following a divorce. Now, in, the, in this case, there's a little bit of the breakdown of the family. They lost a father figure, so now it's just Lucy taking care of her two boys. And neither son at the beginning of the film has a defined father figure, and thus they, they seek to fill that void in their own, each in their own way. 
Sam loses himself into the fandom of his comic books while Michael turns to the quote-unquote cool kids on the block by trying to get in with David's gang to impress Star. Now, The Lost Boys, like I said, was put into production in the early 80s, but it didn't actually make it to release until 87. But during the development, the, 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 gang, the, the youth and gang violence in the country was on a huge rise. Between 1980 and 1990, the U.S. Department of Justice estimated an increase of 100,000 gang members uh, to two, uh, and 2,000 gangs to 846,000 gang members and 31,000 gangs. Huge. Huge. Now, whether or not it was actually a rise or just that we became more aware of it is, I think, a, a good point of contention there. But the point being is this is something people are becoming more aware of. Uh, gangs were popping up all over the country, and, and especially in ma- major metros like Chicago or L.A., uh, there was a huge rise, uh, particularly in the population of 16 to 18-year-old, 16 to 18-year-old dem- uh, male demographic. Uh, now, the research conducted by the Department of Justice listed five major factors that impacted the youth's decisions to join gangs. Community, family, school, peer pressure, and individual personality. Now, in this film, in The Lost Boys, at least two or three of these play major roles in Michael's decision to join David's gang. Michael is moving into a new town. He has no sort of built-in community or really a peer group, so he's kind of a, a loner to some, some degree. He's not going to hang out with his little brother because he's at that age where you don't really hang out with your, little, your older brother. Kind of rebelling because he's probably upset at his mom for getting divorced, you know, all, all that good stuff. Um, so... The move prompted by the divorce, uh, meaning uh, that the familiar structure that Alex talked a little bit about, uh, has shifted. And not having a father figure left him seeking out other relationships uh, to kind of guide him or to give him place uh, or validation. Uh, now, add this to the fact that he's desperately seeking approval from who he perceives as the cool kids. You, you get the perfect storm for, hey, I'm going to go join a gang. Uh, so when you're an angsty and you're frustrated teen and there's uh, nothing really much cooler, quote unquote, than the leather clad biker types, right? The rebels are too cool for the rules and all that good stuff. And the pressure he receives from the other boys are, and as well as the kind of somewhat seductive idea of being with Star kind of pushes him to, quote unquote, or in, the, in this case, drink the Kool-Aid because it actually looks like Kool-Aid. Um, he quickly ri- realizes that he's in over his head and in dangerous territory. Now, while the teens are the ones applying the pressure that was often in the study of gang violence is often called the push and pull uh, to their targets, uh, it's the leader and the structure of the gang that's the real driving force behind the growth. So the film addresses this uh, through the quote-unquote vampire king, vampire lord, whatever you want to call him, uh, Max, who quickly picks out the family as soon as they arrive in the town. He spots Lucy on her first night out. And now after he discovers this, he prompts his boys, so David, you know, uh, to uh, begin recruiting Michael without him having to ever reveal his own true intentions. And it's, it's kind of uh, alluded to throughout the film. Max even states partway through the film that he says, I believe what boys need is structure and discipline, uh, which, again, is just kind of like, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to take over the, the father hip role and we're going to make them do things my way. Uh, now, I think the film concludes, though, that, uh, that the best weapon against youth and gang violence is trusting your family and investing in friendships of those who have like interests. Uh, because in the film you have Sam who gets to be close with the Frog Brothers because they have a shared interest in comic books. And then you also uh, have uh, Edgar and Alan, I believe. And then they also bond together with Lucy to say that, no, we, we, I do not want to be a part of your group. We can, we can bond together and build our own community our own way. Um, so ultimately what I'm saying is this is a really weird, twisted after-school special about why you shouldn't join gangs. 
Excellent, excellent. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters. Mr. Dalton Seward, what analysis have you brought today? Uh, well, I want to talk about uh, another way that this film speaks to being a teenager uh, other than what, what Caleb's already brought, and really that's just kind of the way it speaks to being a teenager uh, in a very general way. Uh, I think it's no mistake that this film is a very heavy-handed metaphor for being a teenager in general. Um, and I just think that's kind of fun, uh, honestly. I, there's not really any subtext here. Uh, there's a lot of very wonderful uh, homoerotic subtext that I know Dustin's going to touch on. Uh, but in terms of very out-and-about text, I mean, it's it's pretty clear that um, the life that Kiefer Sutherland and, and the rest of the Lost Boys are offering uh, Jason Patrick it is really just kind of being a teenager forever. You get to look great. Uh, you get to do all kinds of cool shit and never die, which is the way it feels to be a teenager. You look probably the best you're ever going to look. Um, well, some of us do. I didn't, but I was a late bloomer. Also, yeah, no, I. I think this currently whole look the best I ever have is but the late bloomer club. Actually, I've seen pictures of Arthur when he was a teenager. He looked pretty good. Yeah, he did. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in the late bloomer club for sure. Yeah, no, we. I, I've seen the pictures of myself and the other three of you, and uh, we all looked real fugly uh, when we were 16. Jason Patrick, on the other hand, looks wonderful, and I and uh, so does Kiefer Sutherland, and I can't fault either of them for wanting to look that way for the rest of their lives. Um, but more importantly, uh, it speaks to the uh, the feeling of immortality. That's a weird way to say immortality uh, when you're a teenager, and I, I think that's really interesting. I mean, I've done plenty of stupid shit in my life, especially as a teenager. Uh, I never hung off of a railroad track, but... Uh, but I, I think that's a pretty uh, good example of uh, the kind of dumb things you do when you're a teenager, racing dirt bikes and um, after you've been drinking, um, going to weird boardwalks and doing sketchy things. Uh, and I, I just think it's a, a really interesting look at being a teenager through this vampiric lens. Um, this is kind of, honestly, as far as I can think of, the first uh, vampire film to really heavily uh, invoke teenagers. Uh, I can't think of a film that does it earlier than this. I mean, obviously, it becomes, you know, pretty tired uh, as far as cliches go, uh, you know, where we are now between Buffy the Vampire Slayer and the Twilight series, uh, etc. But teenagers uh, being the thrust of a vampire movie, I can't think of something that does it prior to this. I think there was a uh, drive-in film in the 60s called I Was a Teenage Vampire. That's a good point. Yeah. I had complete, completely forgotten about that one. Uh, but let's go ahead and call this one of the more notable ones Absolutely. because it was a big fucking hit when it came out. Uh, and I think part of the reason that Lost Boys was such a big hit when it came out was because it does speak very heavily to teenagers uh, both generally and more specifically, the way it portrays these vampires. They just want to party, man. Uh, and that's all you want to do when you're... And I, again, the gleeful nihilism with which they do death-defying shit uh, after becoming vampires. Uh, you didn't need to be a vampire to do that. Lots of teenagers do that stupid shit all the time because you don't really have a sense of your mortality. I mean, you might have an intellectual sense of it, but there is definitely a... Uh, action without consideration for consequence. Uh, at least I know that I had that. So I, I just was really interested by that. Again, this is a pretty thin film. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. I think the most interesting thing that it has going on, uh, other than what Dustin's going to talk about, is the portrayal of single moms that Alex has already discussed. So let's get to the most interesting thing this film has going on, uh, and that is the 
Absolutely fabulous uh, gay subtext going on between Jason Patrick and Kiefer Sutherland. Bring on the gays! I, I feel I feel like the pressure is on. Yes, yeah, no, no pressure, Dad. Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, so David's gay, guys. Um, that that's what I'm, that, what? I'm just going to open with that. And uh, David is very very interested in Michael. Now Joel Schumacher is has been openly gay in nearly his entire career, and this film is not uh, what you might call a gay film. It is what you would call a queer film, and there is a distinct and important difference made in this. Uh, the gay film, as you may know, is something of an after-school special, to your point earlier, Mr. Caleb Masters, in which there's a gay character and people are... Um doubtful and frustrated and you know uh, stodgy about their gayness and then throughout the course of the events of the film everyone learns to you know live and let live and that is you know something of the the issue film regarding gayness the queer film on the other hand is a film that does not necessarily comment a whole lot on the issue of sexuality and is far more likely to allow the film uh, to depict de- gay characters in a more negative light. Let's not kid ourselves. David is most definitely the villain in this film. And this is why this particular film, especially in the 80s, as these issues are beginning to be raised, and you see uh, characters, or rather actors, like Tom Hanks doing Philadelphia, and that sort of thing, in which they are being depicted as sympathetically as possible, that this film has resisted some of these readings, because David's not a good person. David is not a nice guy. But he's absolutely obsessed with Michael, and he is also creating a degree of obsession in Michael. Star is not David's sexual interest at all. Star is a lure to pull in the heterosexual Michael into his clutches and then to move him away from Star and hang out with the Lost Boys. And he really kind of succeeds in bringing this sort of level of tr- attraction together. When they're all hanging off the bridge, remember how he screams David's name when David falls. There is a romantic tension throughout uh, that, that particular moment. And let's not forget that the vampire themselves all bleed glitter okay uh this is an important thing to keep in mind now as a horror film there is a moment of sort of a reversal of uh power that happens throughout uh most slasher films in which the final girl finally faces the big bad and uses a phallic device of some sort to penetrate the perpetrator right and this is going to be jamie lee curtis and a steak knife or you know fill in the blank whatever film you're having to be talking about in this case it is not star who penetrates david no no it is michael who penetrates david uh with a horn i'm just saying Uh, and and from behind correct penetrates Uh, with the horn and also the position from behind whenever i um i knew that you were going to apply this lens whenever uh going into watching the film and um i caught on some of these things but one of the issues that kind of relates to my reading is didn't it feel like whenever she confronts him about acting weird that felt like a coming out sequence to me right yes yeah. absolutely oh my it god does. Totally. it does read that yeah. way yeah so anyway th- i think that's really interesting how both of our readings really intersect in that absolutely in that way. absolutely as a queer reading again a queer film not necessarily a gay film what we have here is not necessarily a uh, one-to-one correspondence with straight life what 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 those gay films tend to do is gay people are just like straight people they just happen to be attracted to different kinds of people than straight people happen to be attracted to in this case these gay persons um these queer persons are dangerous and sexy and subversive to the otherwise established status quo. They are a different sort of folk altogether, and that 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 it's sort of okay to be that way. Well, and the the general androgyny of '80s fashion really kind of helps 
bring this subtext more to the forefront uh, because everybody is doing a little bit of gender subversion in, in the way that they dress. I mean, literally every character, uh, with the exception of Max, but even Mom uh, has some some kind of gender subversive clothing, uh, especially both of the brothers do. Uh, and her haircut Corey, is like yeah. pixie without being Bingo. fro, you uh, know. And then Corey Haim is wearing that fabulous uh, fucking, like, knee-length cardigan. Yeah. Oh, my God, I want that. Uh, no, I, I don't. I wouldn't wear that. But I, I kind of love yeah, it all the same. It doesn't really... It's not very on-brand. That's fair. I got to stay on-brand. I think, Dustin, again, I, not to everyone pile on Dustin's analysis, but I, I think it links to the teenage analysis, too, just because part of being a teenager is that sexual self-discovery. Um, and, again, The Lost Boys is full of this stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. And I guess I would conclude by just pointing out one more observation. Um, Kiefer Sutherland is absolutely channeling uh, one David Bowie. Oh, most yeah. definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that it totally explains it, why I felt that I could forgive his mullet and think he's hot. <laughs> yes, because David Bowie is gorgeous. So uh, there you go, dear listener. You've heard our analyses. We'd love to hear your thoughts about what we've had to say so far. And we're going to give you an opportunity via those magical means that we all know as social media. Ms. Alexander Bohannon, do you know anything about where this conversation could continue on the interwebs yeah sure thing dustin you can find the good trash media network at goodtrashmedia.com. you can find us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash good trash media and you can also find us on patreon at patreon.com forward slash gtm Excellent. Thank you very much for that. Mr. Dalton Stewart, is there another means by which the conversation could be held? Uh, There is, in fact, Dustin. uh, Look. Look at your computer. It's birds. It's not. It's just Twitter. Um, Vampire hypnosis doesn't show up a lot. And uh, it always makes me happy when it does, because it's a vampire power that gets ignored a lot. Uh, That's beside the point. You can find the Good Trash Media Network on Twitter at good underscore trash. We've been very active over there lately uh, promoting our upcoming live show, which uh, has happened by the time you're hearing this. We hope it went well. We hope you were there. We hope you had a good time. Uh, If you did, let us know on Twitter. Uh, If you didn't, fuck off. All right. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. So we now move on to the verdict part of our show. Will we render this film to the shelf or to the trash? I go to you first, Dalton. Shelf or trash? And then what is your Elsewhere Instead recommendation? This is hard um, because it's not great. Yeah, let's go ahead and shelf it. Um, it's not good, like, but it's pretty fun. Uh, let's pair it with another great 80s uh, teen vampire movie, Fright Night. Uh, I say great. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember liking it a whole, whole lot uh, when I was you know, 10, 11 years old. Oh, Chris Sarandon uh, is a sexy vampire as well. As I recall. Uh, the yes. remake is better. Mm, I haven't, I've seen the remake more recently than I've seen the original. I dug the remake a lot. Um, it's actually I, pretty good. Uh, Colin Farrell is a whole lot of fun in that remake. Uh, so yeah, put it on the shelf, uh, pair it with Fright Night, and um, you know, just because I love singing the praises of these movies, uh, go ahead and watch Blade 1 and Blade 2 uh, if you yeah. need some more vampire killing in your life uh, because I will continue to uh, triumph those films because I think they have started to fade into obscurity. Alrighty, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Ms. Alexander Bohannon, what do you say? Shelf or trash, else or instead? I it's okay. I can I can agree disagree with Dalton without wanting to throw him in a dumpster like I want to do with this movie. This movie is disposable. You don't need to see <laughs> it, it. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Um a recommend that's not necessarily any better, but I think also kind of tackles what it means to 
have, um, you know, some supernatural powers in the early 90s, late 80s is Wolf. Um, I think Wolf, especially in terms of special effects, I think they're kind of spiritual cousins. Um, Going on with the whole Lost Boys tropism um, and the Peter Pan, watch Hook. Um, Then just due to the homage in the the vampire lair, obviously Monster Squad, because there's a Monster Squad poster in the lair. Is there really a yeah, totally missing? There is. Yeah. I've been yeah. wanting to see that movie for a long time and yeah. I've never gotten around to and it. Then, it's fun. And then lastly, uh, just as an example of Dustin's analysis of the differences between a queer movie and a gay movie, you should watch a totally fun gay movie, which is called But I'm a Cheerleader, which is a uh, a movie that is very, very gay because it the, goes from, you know, the premise is a cheerleader find, uh, discovers her sexuality and then is sent to a, um, a deprogramming uh, center, but it's a comedy and still kind of sad at the same time. So, uh, future people's history of film guest Lena Tenney and I talked about that movie uh, when I had her on. Um, it sounds amazing. It's a lot of fun. I like that movie a lot. Well, thank you very much for that, Miss Alexander Bohannon, Mr. Caleb Masters. Shelf for trash, else for instead. Yeah, uh, trash this movie. I think it's utterly disposable, like Alex said. Um, so I'm going to recommend a few other better movies. Uh, first one, Let the Right One In, is a great movie. You should go check that out. If you're wanting to look more at sexy vampires, go watch Interview with a Vampire with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt, because those are also very attractive vampires back in their, like, what, 20-something years. And uh, then you've got uh, 30 Days of Night, which uh, has its problems, but I still think it's a pretty cool movie. It's, it's pretty dope. I, I like it a lot. Yeah, like it's, it it's not great, but it's got some no, really cool shit in it. But it's, it, it deserves, I think it deserves more attention than it got, at, at the very least. Uh, and, Faculty of Horror uh, recently yeah. talked about it and The Crow on a, on a single episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, The Crow is definitely better than 30 Days of Night. Let's not kid ourselves. But 30 Days of Night has some, some truly like awesome shit in it. Uh, it really, it's, really it's not a great movie, but there's some dope stuff. And lastly, I want to give a shout to a non-vampire film that kind of relates to this idea of teenhood and you know trying to get put in with the with the clique or even gangs, and that is very own Oklahoma Story, The Outsiders. Oh yeah, fair point. I like that. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters. I am going to say shelf because you should own all the vampire movies, Thanks, every Justin. single one of them. I am going to say you should watch, you know, lots of good stuff. But I'm going to recommend some good queer cinema because you know what? That's not something we recommend very often around here. And so check out Love Songs, the French film from the early '90s, uh, which is uh, a good example uh, of what we're talking about with uh, that sort of problematized homosexuality, and uh, you know that it's not quite so distinct and uh, that you know sexuality is somewhat fluid in that particular film um i was just gonna give a shout out to another queer film that i was trying to think of a couple weeks ago uh called the doom generation okay uh, with rose mcgowan uh just really very kind of weird and interesting uh 90s flick that's very very much uh firmly entrenched in uh, queer cinema. There you go. Okay, excellent. I like that pick. Also, Nadja, earlier mentioned in the show, uh, Nadja's character herself is um, somewhat sexually ambiguous and therefore, um, you know, interesting and also vampires. Finally, Ichumama Tambien. Um, Check that out and, uh, you know, wrestle with all the things. And uh, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, uh, and your mother also. Uh, So, (laughs) I I don't know how that's a punchline, but somehow it is. And uh, so check that out. Check all the things 
things out um, and enjoy them all. Let's move on, though, to the end of our show. Dear listener, we're so glad you've tuned in so far and listened to all the things that we've had to say, and we hope to have the conversation continue with you via those magical means we all know as social media. This next week, we have a host pick. The picker host is one Mr. Dalton James Stewart. Dalton, what's your selection, brother? Uh, Well, I thought about a lot of things, but uh, as we've discussed, we we discussed, yeah, at least four. Uh, There was a lot of talk. I've got to stay on brand, and I got to make us watch uh, movies that we're not going to watch otherwise uh, when I do my host picks. So yeah, we, we th- I threw around some kung fu movies, uh, some crime movies. I have landed on uh, the film that I think is going to be most lucrative for analysis. Uh, I thought about uh, a Korean film called uh, The Man from Nowhere. I thought about a Japanese film, Thirteen Assassins. But we're going to watch the Paul Walker classic, Running Scared. <laughs> uh, yes, it is easily the best movie that Paul Walker ever made. It is. A delightfully interesting film, and I'm I'm curious to what everyone's going to think about it because uh, it's it's cool, it, and I haven't seen it since I was like 15 when I and I thought it was awesome when I was 15. So let's I I'm excited. It'll be an interesting show. You're cool, and I love you. Therefore, it'll be fine. So I think you're going to like it. I really do. I might. I, I like a lot of things. So, uh, dear listener, uh, do check that out. Check out The Lost Boys. Check out any film and have a conversation because the movies are so much more than just 90 minutes in a bucket of popcorn. It's about the conversation. And having that is what makes watching the movies so worthwhile. We'll see you all next time. The Good Trash Genre Cast is produced and edited by Arthur Gordon. Direction by Dustin Sells. Social media by Alexandra Bohannon, Caleb Masters, and Dalton Stewart. Our intro and outro is Night Call by Kavinsky and Lovebox. We are also proud to feature music from Deer Kick this week on the program. For more information on this episode of the Good Trash Genre Cast, as well as the rest of the Good Trash Media family, please visit goodtrashmedia.com.